we're all advocates. We're the backbone. We're the backbone of the nation. Show the rest of the world who aren't farmers what it is. What's it, what's it like on a farm? You know, what we do every day. We're feeding the world. It creates a healthy community. So, you know, eat local, buy local, support your local farmers. Welcome back to another episode of The Advocates. In today's episode, Daniel and Wade are joined by Austin Boyles from Canyon, Texas. Austin and his wife own and operate Premier Initiative, a design and marketing company, as well as Purple Circle Magazine, one of the nation's longest running livestock magazines. Austin, how's it going today? It is going as good as it can. Sounds good. Dan, yourself? Doing well, doing well. Austin, thanks for hopping on with us. Why don't we start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? You bet. My name is Austin Boyles. I I currently call Canyon, Texas home. I've been in the 806 area code pretty much my whole life, except for about a year. Uh, I grew up in a very small town just outside of Lubbock called Cotton Center, Texas. Um, I chuckle often when I watch TV shows or get into casual conversations with new people. And when I say small town, I I mean small town. Uh, I graduated with 14 people. There were 130 or so total um, pre-K through 12th grade in our school and about 300, 400 people that that uh, claimed Cotton Center. Uh, Texas Tech graduate, um, a meat science kid, a meathead, a livestock judging kid. Uh, got my master's degree at West Texas A&M University, um, also in meat science. Uh, married to Dylan Boyles. I always have to clear that up. That's D-Y-L-A-N. That's Dylan. That is a girl. Uh, I get a lot of chuckles and a lot of funny looks at, at, at uh, hotel front <laughs> desks when I tell them, uh, I'm married to a Dylan, uh, but we have a beautiful young lady in our household named Connor. We figured if Dylan had to be tortured her whole life, Connor was going to have the same blessing. Uh, she is, gosh, she'll be a year old in two freaking days. Um, it's insane, but we live just outside of Canyon, Texas, um, our little abode and and do our best every day to live life to the fullest, I guess. Awesome. Uh, that's great. Uh, so so you grew up near Lubbock. Cotton Center, is that right? That's correct. Yes, sir. I, I have never heard of such a place. That must be real small. Uh, so you, you literally grew up in ag. Uh, tell, us, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, was, was your family in... In agriculture, did they raise cotton, or, or how did you get interested in livestock? Well, the best part is we were transplants, right? So uh, my dad grew up in Lubbock, a town of, you know, while he was growing up, it was probably 100, 150,000. It's doubled since then, but um, he grew up in the biggest metropolitan area in the 806 area code, probably. Um, in the, in West Texas with a panhandle, whatever you refer to it as. And he wanted a different life for us. So when we were, when I was in the second grade, 94, um, he decided to move 30 miles north uh, and give us that small town, um, agriculture-based 
a community experience. And um, we thought we were like Green Acres at the time. Um, <laughs> we watched that a lot, second, third, fourth grade. We thought, holy moly. Um, but looking back, especially in hindsight, uh, I, I look forward to giving my child that same opportunity. We grew up in the middle of a cotton field. Um, cotton on two sides of us, uh, CRP ground on two sides of us. We had a little five acre patch of ground and my dad commuted 30 miles to town every single day. So, um, we were not, uh, really truly salt of the earth livestock folks. Um, we were not salt of the earth farming folks until, you know, I got a chance to you know, work in the fields. But that's back when they still had little three-seater spray buggies. and um, We still set pipe and row watered. And, uh, you know, I, I got to do that uh, in the cotton fields of Cotton Center. Um, but my ag background really came from who I consider to be my second father, and that would be my ag teacher. In a small community with 14 kids in your class, you don't have electives. Half the people in my class probably couldn't spell elective if we're being really, really <laughs> honest. And so it was ag or home ec. Or I think at one point it was like we had a fired up Spanish teacher that offered like Spanish three or something. Uh, and mm-hmm. my sophomore year, they did away with home ec um, in, in our school or I think it was at that FCCLA or whatever they called it at that time, they did away with it. So it was like ag or, you know, ag or, well, you get the point. And and so I spent a lot of time um, with him and, and traveling the roads, you know, tractor restoration. We took antique tractors and, and were, were blessed enough to win a national championship three times when I was in high school in tractor restoration. Uh, my first introduction to judging was cotton judging. Imagine that. Uh, in that environment, we did a, a lot of CDEs, a lot of LDEs. And that's really where my passion for agriculture was was born because I didn't have it at home. You know, we had five acres, mm-hmm. two cows, and showed pigs, and et cetera. But but you know the the, the deep state of, of ag that that I got to know was was in that, that shop classroom uh, of my ag teacher. Austin, mm-hmm. you have a kind of a unique situation there. You grew up in small-town Texas, being exposed to ag through through the ag program. Why do you feel it's so important for, for high school kids to be involved in the ag program uh, no matter where they live? Oh, man. Uh, there is so much more to learn just being around agriculture. I have friends that grew up in town, weren't truly exposed to agriculture until they came to be at Texas Tech or WT or, or a few of them that were whatever university, Tarleton, A&M, um, and, and maybe they took the ag econ role or the ag business role or the you know, et cetera, et cetera. We can expand on that. But being around the agriculture community 
and and learning the, the whether that's the resiliency, the work ethic, uh, the just the genuine good character of the people around agriculture. I think that could fit a lot of young souls right now that need those additions to their life. Um, and and I was a sport kid. I wasn't very good. I, I can count on both hands how many football games we won in high school. But uh, you know, there's there's lessons to be learned there. But there is a totally different set of uh, of lessons that's not about I mean, I don't want to bastardize it, but planting a garden or, or growing cotton or or showing livestock. There's there's some fringe benefits from from being involved in FFA and agriculture in general that that uh, I think we could we could all benefit from, but especially uh, that younger generation. Mm-hmm. Could not agree more. I know Dan, you come from a from a different education standpoint, being homeschooled, but. I think you could probably agree with some of those yeah, mindsets there was, also. There was one guy in my class, and boy, what a clown. I didn't like him one bit, but he is also the valedictorian of the class, so, I mean, can't speak much. <laughs> but, yeah, I agree. It's important to to not only just learn about where your food comes from, but uh, how it all is processed and worked on. And I, I think that's something that our society as a whole is missing is is the, the agriculture side of where it comes from. And, you know, that's kind of the silver lining with this uh, coronavirus deal is it seems like all of a sudden people are interested in, uh, as consumers, you know, uh, where, where is this coming from or, or what's this guy doing? You know, I, I was teasing with my mom on the phone just a while ago that I'm essential. <laughs> and she said, ah, you've never been very essential. But, <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of shocking to see all of a sudden how, <laughs> you know, things just turn around when there's a, 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 a deal like this going on. So I think, you know, looking forward, you know, maybe half a, half a year from now, I wonder how important uh, agriculture will be uh, to people compared to what it was, you know, in 2019. And that's a long rabbit hole that I just took, but I had to speak my mind for a second. Sorry, Austin. <laughs> no, I, Hey, I'm listening and I, I couldn't agree more that, that, um, I think there has been some sentiment sent towards agriculture that maybe they were missing um, mm-hmm. in years past. It's it's you can call it sad if you want, but we got to this point, uh, and and I'm I'm sure glad that that guys like you that are in the trenches every day, you know, producing food and fiber are are getting you know at least a a pat on the back, you know, per se. Certainly well deserved mm-hmm. and long overdue. Well, it sure is nice. You know, it, it's important to realize that, but I, I'd much prefer the commodities to go up than a pat on the back. <laughs> but, you know, that'll happen at some point, Lord willing. Austin, as we as we switch, switch gears here, uh, you and Dylan are both – when Dan asked me, who, who is this guy, I said that, that Austin and Dylan are both very uh, entrepreneur mindsetted or mindset. Um, and I, I think that's a great way to describe y'all. Y'all both um, involved in several different companies right now, being Premier Initiative and Purple Circle Magazine. Um, give us an overview of those two businesses and what y'all do with them. Sure. Uh, I met Dylan. I don't know, Wade, you were there. Uh, I don't want to listen. And I, six years ago? Sure. be six years this fall, Sounds I guess. Good. I'll, I'll back you up uh, on that. We don't, yeah, thanks. We don't have to, 
describe the setting necessarily, but we met about <laughs> six years ago this fall and uh, quickly figured out that we were uh, similar souls uh, and had the same uh, kind of interests and, and the same mindset about pursuing those interests. Um, a year and a half later, we launched Premier Initiative, and uh, that is a, a, a graphic design and marketing company. That thing has spiderwebbed out like a broken windshield and then been replaced and put back together uh, since then. Uh, we really specialize in the graphic design portion uh, of advertising and of marketing, uh, mainly garnered towards the show livestock sector, so boar catalogs, sale catalogs, uh, magazine, um, print media, you know, specialties, and, and anywhere in between. We've done some, uh, you know, some social media retargeting, graphic design work, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and that brought us to the next adventure. Um, I would say about two years ago, right now, the conversation started about the Purple Circle magazine. That is a print publication that's, that started in Brownwood, Texas. It's been around since uh, the fall of 1980. I've got the very first magazine. Uh, I actually put my hands on it today and uh, grew and expanded and changed and moved and uh, was based in Canyon for about the last 15 years, 15, maybe 20 years, uh, honestly. And, and through our work with Premier Initiative and the graphic design portion, we got to know the owners very, very well. And um, the conversation started about two years ago, the possibility to purchase that. One of the owners was um, terminally ill and uh, wanted his legacy to go to someone that would appreciate it, grow it, change it, and carry it on. Uh, and we were flattered uh, to be considered there. On the other side, we were not flattered at the initial offer to buy it because it was um, like buying two sections of ground or what felt like two sections of ground. Uh, mm -hmm. And so the conversation stalled. We got it purchased long of the short. Um, we are a multi-species um, livestock magazine. Uh, not only do we feature show livestock sales and producers, we pride ourselves in having great content uh, for our readers, both in print and online. Uh, we highlight the junior livestock industry, in my opinion, better than anyone uh, in the entire nation. Uh, mm -hmm. Certainly an adventure, learning experience. Never thought we'd be here, uh, but it's dang sure uh, been one heck of a ride. So two businesses that really tie in together uh, fairly well that have, uh, in the last year, year and a half, have really uh, grown very well. It's been fun to watch. So what does a day in the life of Austin Boyles look like on your day-to-day -day opera operations? Holy moly. It's um, <laughs> a big question, isn't it? I don't know. No. Um, I am very, very lucky that my day-to-day -day matches my personality. Uh, there's very little. 
I mean, I don't have like multiple personalities, right? I'm not trying to say that, <laughs> but there's hope not. There's I can I can bounce around, jump around, multitask, do a lot, and that's what satisfies me. That's you know where my mind is at. Uh, in another life, I'm also involved in the dairy industry and and have really found a niche there, communicating with those dairy producers in my area. Uh, I, when that opportunity came, um, it's actually how Wade and I met was through extension, our, uh, old profession as County extension agents. That's how we initially became, uh, pals. And, and when the opportunity came to be involved in the dairy industry, it really wasn't much of a hesitation, uh, because uh, I think dairy farmers are some of, if not the most innovative ag producers uh, in the universe. Um, mm-hmm. I think all ag producers have to innovate to a point um, to survive. And, and obviously the ones that are still around do a dang good job of doing it. But um, mm-hmm. being involved with that, um, that's number one. And then number two, kind of my, I guess my role, I am not the talent by any means. Uh, you have spent now oh, 21 minutes um, listening to just about my only true talent, and that's just talking. Uh, my <laughs> wife is, is, is really the one that has the photography talent, the graphic design talent. Um, I was blessed with the gift of gab. And so I kind of handle the sales portion of uh, the magazine. So um, rounding up uh, the right advertisers for the right time of year and the right season uh, to um, advertise in our magazine, making sure they're happy, making sure that um, we are giving them uh, the most that we can from an advertising standpoint. And then on the premier side, um, I am kind of in charge of the social media portion. Um, I piece together some of the graphics. Most of those, again, are my wife. And then uh, I craft the uh, some of those social media campaigns um, and just wordsmith those uh, and get those out. So, and, and I would say in the last six months, that has been every day, right? Just a, mm-hmm. a, a little taste of, of everything, um, on the plate. So, uh, that probably so doesn't answer kind of, the question. No, but, no, it's, it's perfect. Uh, you kind of touched on it, but what's your biggest challenges with, with all of this? Um, learning how to multitask. Uh, mm-hmm. I've, I've dang sure had to, uh, that's been a sore spot with both of us. Um, if there are people listening, I work, I'm going to say probably 30 to 40% of my seven day week within eight feet of my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when she forgets to multitask, it's my problem. And when <laughs> I forget to multitask, it's her problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, I, I'm not going to go Dr. Phil philosophical marriage counselor there, but um, that has probably been 
the biggest challenge with us is the balance of we are business partners. We do work mm-hmm. together, but we also kind of sleep in the same bed and have a kid to raise together and, and mm-hmm. balance balancing that, uh, has proved to be, uh, has proved to be a struggle, something that we have to pause take a step back and genuinely focus on we can't just hit the ground running like we do with most everything else. Austin, say a guy out there is new to the herd, uh, the show pig industry, and he's got him a new herd board. He's called Joe Exotic. Um, why should he pick you and, and Premier Initiative and Purple Circle to, to kind of take care of his marketing needs? You know, there's hundreds of people out there that, that claim to be livestock marketers. Um, why should they go with you? Man, I don't, I don't know anymore today, and I'm talking inside the livestock industry and outside the livestock industry, what in the hell marketing means. Um, and I think we, we all need to take a step back and figure out um, exactly and precisely what that means. How I am going to approach um, a new producer or old producer, uh, there are a lot of very talented people out there. Um, we pride ourselves in being the fastest and we pride ourselves in being the most unique, uh, as well. So I had a very, the, the, my, probably my downfall is that I don't know how to toot our horn good enough, but this is my attempt. I had a very influential person, uh, in the business, in a casual conversation say, I don't, I can't ever figure out what ads or, or what websites y'all built and what somebody else's like. I see that, that y'all build this guy's stuff and y'all build this guy's stuff, but man, they look so different. I, like, I don't know how y'all do that. Well, you look at some people's stuff and I can tell you from across the room on a computer screen who built it, and we provide ourselves in, in being very specialized in having unique platforms that don't look like anybody else's. You're not going to blend in. Uh, and I'm not afraid to take your phone call at 11 o'clock at night. I don't know how long that'll last. And I think every time I, I answer the phone at 1030, my wife hates me a little more. But uh, I think that's part of it is, is in this day and age with – uh, the, the speed of delivery of information, um, the difference between answering at 1030 and answering, answering at 7 a.m. Uh, I think means a lot more for selling show pigs, selling show goats high, and selling them just like your neighbor does. I think that's a great a great spot to transition. Um, you, you're involved with the livestock industry in several different ways, be it from a magazine, be it from designing bit from from buying and selling some show animals um you know a couple of weeks ago we talked with matt denette claw from from shiprock arizona or shiprock new mexico and he gave us his thoughts on the on the show industry and why those are important important projects and important animals for kids to be a part of uh give us your thoughts on on that that outlet for kids to be involved in well i look forward to hearing that um because i have a lot of respect for I have a lot of respect for Matt and and 
what he's doing now. Uh, I don't know how deep y'all went into that, but he's given me uh, kind of the inside of, of what he's doing now. And, and um, that guy is a, is a blessing to the people around him, a blessing to his culture and a blessing to the livestock industry. Uh, um, certainly, but uh, the, importance of the livestock industry was that the question here i am just talking off mm-hmm. off a freaking cliff here why livestock projects and obviously the people listening to this are are ag-based people but there may be folks that are outside of the livestock realm or inside the livestock realm uh i think besides the youth group or the church facility um i don't think there is a better vehicle to raise a good human being i'm blessed to judge i don't know 20 or 30 shows give or take a year uh and i say that all the time like i I think that the livestock project in general is responsible for raising good humans Um, not good kids you know young people that go on to be good adults that go on to be just good human beings um you know that the 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 work ethic portion that we all know the responsibility to getting up early the et cetera et cetera but um it also teaches you how to lose and how to win um it teaches you what it's like to have a a, a life in your hands that that you are fully responsible for and i think that's probably where it gets unique from sports and, and, and other, uh, avenues. I, I, I love it. I think there's, I'm 32 years, 32 years old, almost 33 and, and learn from it every day, uh, strive to learn from it every day. Uh, and there's not just a whole lot of, of activities or hobbies that, that can provide that, that avenue for sure. Uh, several several weeks ago, I guess almost a month and a half ago now, y'all y'all were in Houston um, when the news broke that that the show was going to get canceled. Um, I was at home watching on the live stream, um, saw some stuff on on social media start to float around, but I told myself I'm I'm not going to believe it till Joel Cali or Chris Bowman say something. Like those are the two guys I'm going to believe. Um, kind of walk us through the the vibe in the barn that morning and and what transpired that night. As, as two of the best in the industry, um, sorted a tremendous amount of livestock um, in a relatively short amount of time? Well, I'll say that morning, at least to me, we had a couple showing uh, in Division One of the Goat Show. That morning, it wasn't on my mind. You know, at 4 a.m. when we started the process, it maybe I just had tunnel vision. It was genuinely not on my mind and, and, and really around lunchtime uh, is when the conversation kind of trickled in uh, and the city of Houston, the mayor, the city council, maybe it was the county commissioners were having a meeting at one o'clock. We were headed to eat lunch and I'm going to say at about one thirty. All hell broke loose. 
it, it, it was an environment unlike I had ever been in, ever. Uh, because of the speed of, really the speed of misinformation more than anything, you had the sheep and goat kids got lucky. Whether we can we can talk about them all we want, but they got lucky. Uh, the the bear kids, the steer kids, that was unfortunate by far. And I have no very little involvement in it. Those kids showing heifers, holy moly! I cannot imagine spending eight hours in line unloading all your tack, packing your beds, unrolling your rubber mat. And then getting the notice that, hey, go home. Uh, but that's what happened. You know, they were halfway through heifer unload. And I don't know the truth to this. I'm going to repeat it, but I don't know the truth to it. Um, when they took a break and told the two guys judging very, we were lucky that day that we had two extremely seasoned livestock evaluators. Uh During that break, they said, guys, we're going to have to cancel. And I won't name names, but one of them that lives in the Midwest, not towards the East Coast, said, I'm not leaving until I pick a champion. Well, no, we got to cancel. No, I'm not leaving till I pick a champion. I won't tell you what he was judging, but he eventually picked the championship. Um, and, and they stood fast in the fact that they could do it. Um, Houston bent over backwards to make it happen, and it went from it was an emotional swing from half of us aren't going to get to show to all of us are going to get to show right now, uh, and, and it was exciting to sit back uh, and watch. It was exciting to see people that were stalled across from one another. Um, blending legs on sheep and getting helping get goats ready, people that didn't know people. Uh, it was great to to feel the environment um, in there. And I can't I won't I don't ever want to be in the shoes of the Houston livestock show to make such a monumental decision. Uh, but given the circumstances I thought that part was as good as anybody could have handled it. And we showed sheep and goats for a long time, and uh, and those two guys sorting them did a did a great job. I, I think it's safe to say, and you'd probably agree with me that if there's two guys that have to judge sheep till the to late hours of the night and still find the right ones, it's those two. Hey, I can tell you just a few that I've never gotten close to that level. Um, don't know if I ever will, but I don't know that the good Lord could have. And there's a few that would have done it, sure, but but uh, you stick a 30-year-old whippersnapper in there and say, hey, good luck, come on. I, I don't know, man. I, 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 I tend to agree with you that the good Lord blessed us with two very qualified guys that day and, and given those circumstances. Uh, you you said you mentioned it was a tough break for the hog kids and, and the steer kids and, and the heifers as well, and we, we feel for them, but... The sheep and goat kids still had another show after this. Austin was just right around the corner. It's a quick turnaround for them. Uh, most of them run home, grab another animal, shear them off, load back up. Um, you you had a kind of behind the behind the the, the scenes role in, in getting a show started for the sheep and goat kids to to show those Austin animals. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Well, 
on our way down to Houston three or four days before all this happened, I got a phone call from a guy that, that is a mentor of mine and a, and somebody who's essential to our business. And he said, Hey, if this gets bad, this, this is, you know, kind of our worst case scenario. And I don't, my mind doesn't work like that. It probably needs to a little bit better. Um, I struggle with worst case scenarios sometimes, but, uh, he said, this is kind of what we're thinking. Are you on board? And again, the, the answer is yes, absolutely. Yes. And, um, so then it just kind of fell off the plate, right? We were rocking and rolling, goats were moving in, goats were showing. <clears throat> about halfway, uh, about halfway between Division One and Two, we we figured out it was going to happen. I stepped in on the dock, filled a phone call, and the wheels started moving. And then when it finally happened, word of mouth helped, social media helped, and and we got involved in the keep it weird jackpot hey we wade we underestimate keep it weird to us like we know what that refers to mm-hmm. keep austin weird right austin texas and um i've had some people ask like from out of state midwest guys why did y'all name it that and it, it's been a good time to explain like exactly what austin is all about uh it's not just our capital city but um, pulled together a little over $400,000 in about 96 hours uh, with some of the most caring, genuine livestock breeders uh, in the country, um, and not just from this area, uh, from all over. Uh, and again, two guys that, that thought they were going to get a good night's rest and start judging livestock at 8 a.m. Uh, one got out of his vehicle, one got off the plane, and started judging livestock at 7 p.m. and sorted about 800 head uh, and ended somewhere in the 12:30, 1 o'clock range. Uh, a great show and a, and a great set of people, great set of livestock. Um, it, it was uh, a blessing to be a part of. Now, outside looking in, um, it, it, it was great to see that transpire, uh, both with y'all's show and the and the hog show, I really wish the steer show would, would have would have worked out because that one was going to be real fun. Um, you mentioned social media and the power of it. Um, why do you put such a high value on social media from a from a professional standpoint and a personal standpoint? Sure, um, I have made and fielded a whole boatload of phone calls in the last year and a half, um, being part of the print media. Uh, game now uh, about social media and we use it religiously uh, I think the speed of information delivery is is awesome um, but I also think on the exact flip side of that coin the speed of misinformation is terrible and we deal with that I'm not gonna I don't I don't want to get Political. It doesn't matter who you are, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, you've been guilty of spreading a good portion of misinformation, probably. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, uh, we love the speed of it. We love the flexibility of it. Uh, and we love how precise it can be uh, at times. We're in the middle of a campaign right now, um, and we are 
developing leads and resources that we never thought we could get. Uh, and, and, you know, something like that is, is, uh, thanks for exciting to us. I could not agree more. You know, Dan, Dan has quite the Instagram following. What are you up to Dan now? Like 40,000 followers. <laughs> yeah, I sure wish. I think I'm at 13,000. That's, that's, that's quite a bit. Um, Jeez. he's working on that blue check mark. Yeah. Yeah. That's not coming anytime soon. Trust me. <laughs> if millennial farmer can't get a blue check mark, I don't think farmer Dan's going to get one anytime soon. <laughs> uh, so talking about social media, it's important. And I, I agree. I mean, all there's, it doesn't matter, uh, uh, who you are there, there's in, misinformation around there and it's you can be political you can be unpolitical i mean there's there's an agenda that, that's rising there and you know i'd love to get more into that but i don't know if our listeners would really enjoy that uh i'm, I'm going to move on a little bit uh austin what does life look like for you you know 10 from 10 years from now uh what what's your goal for your business for your family uh what are you looking at Man, family-wise, uh, like I mentioned earlier, we've got one that's about to be a year old, and in 10 years, if if, uh, if we're not beating up on them, I'm going to be disappointed. No offense, Wade. Mm-hmm. It'll be you, too. I, I, I think we'll be in different barns for a while, okay? I, I think we're okay. <laughs> I got a feeling, yeah, you're, you're – you're, uh, her grand her grandpa's going to say that. That's for sure. We're not we're not uh, showing pigs. <laughs> you know, I think we'll be uh, certainly that is something that is bred into us and something that is going to be a part. If if obviously if she her her abilities and her wants and desires will will allow it, that'll be uh, a large part. Um, we are on the cusp of, of expanding our business as well. Uh, and I would uh, hope that the good Lord sees it in his plan to uh, allow that to keep growing and keep happening. And um, we are in an amazing position right now where uh, we get to work with some of the greatest producers in the country. And so when people ask that question five years, 10 years, um, I hope it's pretty similar to where we're at now. Uh, honestly, I, I hope that, you know, maybe we've learned from our mistakes and we make less of them, uh, but, uh, uh, and expansions on the horizon, uh, but, but in the same fields is, is I think where we're meant to be and where we want to be. Right on, right on. I, I like that. Uh, Wade, you want to move on to the rapid fire questions, or are we? I think I think it's time. Our our new favorite segment right. to be named at this point in time. We still yeah, don't have a catchy name for it. Austin, we're going to ask you some some quick questions. Uh, we ask you don't spend too much time thinking about it. Just kind of give us the first first answer that comes to mind. Um, you mentioned earlier you you have the opportunity to judge lots of shows, um, and you have had that opportunity for a while now. Uh, what's the favorite li- your favorite livestock show that you've ever judged? I had a blast at the Colmau County Pig Show last year 
and the year before that. Uh, they run a lot of pigs through real, real fast. Uh, and it, it, it's, it's always run smooth uh, and gone well. But yeah, that Comal County Pig Show is, is a one that comes to mind. Right on. All right. Uh, the next question, I had to make sure with Wade that you were texting before I asked this one, just because if, if he answered a certain state, then we'd just end the call. But uh, if you were to get rid of one state in the U.S., what would it be and why? Holy moly. Yeah, we're going to try to offend people here. <laughs> um, one state in the U.S. I don't know. Maine? Like, what does Maine do up there? Like, in terms of aerodynamics, they certainly drag us down. But, uh, yeah, Maine? I've never been there. You know, I want to <laughs> like, jump out and say Washington, right? Um, yeah. For the obvious, but, man, I was lucky to go to Seattle five, six times in grad school. And I, I kind of, I would never live there. Right, two, three, four days, plenty. But my gosh, that side of the of the country is awesome. But sure, Maine, just because they've never invited me to go there. Well, on next week's episode, we head to Maine to visit with a maple farmer. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> well, you know, I'll help interview. Uh, that, that, I don't know, Maine. We are visiting with somebody from Vermont in the coming weeks. So that's going to be pretty cool. Um, next question. It's it's Thanksgiving Day. Uh, what's your favorite food item you're going to throw on your plate? Thanksgiving. My grandmother makes oyster dressing. Depending on what part of the world you're from or whatever, you call it stuffing, call it dressing, whatever. But she makes an oyster dressing, and that's typically like number one. And yes, I like jelly cranberries, like the stuff that comes out of the can still looking like the can. Oyster dressing and cranberries. Wow, interesting. All right, uh, you don't have to say our podcast because, I mean, we just started, but what's your favorite podcast to listen to? My favorite podcast is probably the most inappropriate, unkid-friendly one. There is a guy out there... um, and his name is Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, and he has a very successful podcast. I really started listening to probably two, I don't know, maybe two years ago. Uh, he is a foul mouth, no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point kind of guy that uh, like really started you know, some kind of meek beginnings and and never took no for an answer, uh, and has one of the greatest uh, outlooks on life, uh, and one of the most successful, you know, online uh, social media marketing businesses uh, around. So that's yeah, I, I sure like the Gary Vaynerchuk podcast. Austin, as we as we get ready to shut this thing down and, and wrap it all up, um, why don't you plug your social medias for us? I know you're not that active yourself, but plug the, plug the business accounts for us and let people know where they can find you. Uh, 
premier initiative on Facebook and then Purple Circle Magazine has a Facebook and an Instagram account. Uh, we don't dabble in Twitter very much and probably need to, but uh, uh, we hover around that Facebook and uh, Instagram. Both of those platforms have been good to us. Folks, if you, if you need those links, they will be in the description. Dan, close it out for us. Right on. Austin, if you could leave our listeners one thing, a, a final thought, if you would, uh, what would you like to say to them? I'm going to steal this from somebody that I referred to earlier that is uh, a great mentor of mine and a great friend of mine uh, and has turned out that way. And that is whatever you do, whether it's sports or livestock or um, whether you're going to farm for a living for the rest of your life, uh, I just ask that you have a purpose uh, and do it, do whatever you're going to do to the best of your ability for that purpose. Um, and and I think that will will certainly change an outlook, whether that's in marriage, whether that's in uh, your walk of faith, uh, or whether that's in your your hobby or your job. Um, I think that makes you easier to be around. I think that'll make you a much more successful person. Right on, right on. Well, Austin, I, w- I want to thank you for being on our show. Uh, I'm not much for livestock as a whole. Uh, as Wade knows, but I've learned a lot from this and uh, I look forward to uh, maybe going to one or two livestock shows with my, my sweet girlfriend in the future and uh, hopefully someday I can meet you some somewhere over there. The Oakletree County show, boy, that's a, that is a, uh, that's a very, very tough pitch show. You've got one hell of an ag teacher um, in your yeah, backyard. Yeah, definitely. Been kicking people's teeth in for a long time. I, I agree. I agree. Austin, thanks for coming on with us. We've enjoyed it. Dan, we'll catch you next time. Thanks, guys, very much. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Advocates. Be sure and check out our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages to see who we'll feature next. On behalf of Dan, I'm Wade. We'll see you next time.